When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Right now, though, uh, let's talk to Conservative MP, former Brexit Secretary David Davis. Good morning to you, David. Good morning. Good morning. I also have to point I just, out... I'm just, sitting, I'm just sitting here imagining, you know, some big, big burly SBS soldiers collecting £10,000 apiece from these... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I was going to ask you about the this uh, Special Forces story, because, of course, you trained with the SAS, weren't you, in the ter- yeah. Territorial Army. Um, no. What do you make of uh, of the Special Forces storming the oil tanker? Apparently, after a 10-hour standoff, took them nine minutes, sent the helicopters in, snipers uh, or in the helicopters, uh, uh, some, uh, I think, some 16 members of the Special Boat Service boarding the vessel, took them nine minutes to seize control. Well, well, I, well, I guess it's only about a five-minute helicopter flight from Poole, which is a headquarters. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I, I doubt, frankly, that it was one of their hardest ever tasks. <laughs> I mean, you know, this this, uh, this bunch of stowaways, basically. I, I don't know how well organised they were, but uh, uh, it wouldn't have been that difficult for them to subdue them. I mean, the main problem would have been whether they knifed a, a member of the crew or something like that. And the difficulty there is 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 speed, really, speed and stealth. Uh, and they're very good at all of that. So uh, I would, uh, uh, I would think you're dead right. The crew, the crew must have breathed a sigh of relief that they picked there to do it, not not in the middle of the ocean. Absolutely. So, uh, well, let's think. Let's bring things a bit closer back to home. Let, let's talk about the <clears throat> the various pickles that the Tory government have got themselves in. You're the man who oh, uh, helped campaign. We got a whole, whole Branston of them, I guess. We, we are. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we really do, don't we? Uh, and it's not the it's not the it's not the fine cut ones either. It's the big chunky kind of a, a problems. Yeah. Um, Let's let's go through them in turn because the one that's on a lot of the front pages, as well as the special forces uh, situation, is Marcus Rashford, uh, the millionaire footballer's uh, just got huge support after he's called for free school meal vouchers for, for the poorest kids uh, to be. We uh, won last time round. The government did a U-turn. The government's saying they're not going to give out these vouchers during this October half term. Not doing it for Christmas, but they are saying there will be more cash for poorest families. The government is saying, look, this issue is a much more complicated than that, and you need to tackle the issue with not just vouchers or money, but with actually long-term help for these families. Is the government right, or do you think the government should U-turn? Well, um, the truth is both. I mean, th- they are right uh, in that, you know, they, they did they did create a, uh, a £60 million fund for local councils to deal with some of these uh, issues directly. They did increase universal credit by 
about a thousand pounds a year. Uh, but you know, these actually, for, for a variety of reasons, these don't actually solve the problems. Not everybody gets universal credit. The so-called legacy welfare people. Um, the not all the councils use the money in the way that would have. Uh, met the the Marcus Lashford requirement, if you like. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, the schools at the end of the day are, are not our, should not be a primary arm of our welfare uh, state, you know. So there is a there is a problem. I mean, if you, you, know, you want to look to the, the sort of wisest person around on this, look at Robert Halfen. You know, Halfen, who voted against the government last week, um, uh, who's the chairman of the Education Committee, you know, said in terms no one has a, a monopoly on uh, benevolence or compassion in this, uh, and it's a really complicated issue. It's got to, you know, it's, it, it, you know you've got things involved in this, like, you know, what about the responsibility of the parents? You're going to bypass the parents every single time in this? Is the state going to take command of that? So it's quite complicated. I think the government's going to have to move. I don't think they, they have to do what Lashford directly, what Lashford's asking, but I do think they have to move to help deal with the problem. But this is the thing, the government constantly saying, we, well, you know, this isn't the way to deal with it, we're not going to U-turn, and then they always end up U-turning, don't they? I mean, if they genuinely think they are right, then they shouldn't be in, in, in you know, if they think it's a waste of our money, our taxpayers, our money after all they're handing out, um, yeah. and that they should, there's a better way to make sure children don't go hungry, they should stick to their guns, but they tend not to stick for their, to well, their guns. Well, and partly because so. partly it's a spectacular handling disaster. I mean, the, the and as it was last time, I mean, the you know the, the, the things I've just talked about—the the the, uh, uh, the sixty million fund, the uh, the sizable increase in universal credit, and so on—these are not new. These were known beginning of last week. Where was the government making this case at the beginning? It, it's making it now, but you know, it, it, it sort of walked almost blindfold into uh, a political disaster from from its handling point of view. And I think that's that's part of the problem. You know, it's. Uh, I think, in truth, uh, you know, the, 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 what you started out with talking about the number of pickles you know, we're yeah. in. Um, the, I think, that to some extent, the government machinery has become overwhelmed, partly by COVID and by other things, and it's not been very good at, at uh, foresight at uh, seeing what's coming next. And it's one of the great tricks of good, of, of you know, of great governments and great leadership is to see what's coming next and deal with it early, not not wait until you've got a. Uh, a great panic on OK, hands. well, let's talk about another one of the pickles then and also another one of the political disasters and looking at things uh, ahead. All three counts for Dido Harding. Baroness Dido Harding brought in uh, to handle the, te- uh, the test and trace uh, uh, situation. Um, un- un- under no circumstances, there is no way in which you could actually rate the, the running of this system and think that it was good in terms of uh, the inability to trace, uh, the inability to, to, to get test results back quickly and the like. Um, in which case... Do you agree with your colleague Sir Bernard Jenkin, who's of course Tory MP and chair of the Liaison Committee? Uh, do you think that he's right that Dido Harding should be forced out or should quit? Well, he's half right. I mean, what what Dido wants? Uh, sorry, what Dido? What what, what Bernard uh, argues, I think, is that they should put a sort of military commander in charge of this. I think he's wrong about that. But the the there's no doubt that the, there is this. Uh, well, I mean, disaster is probably not too strong a word for it. I mean, in if you compare it to someone like South Korea who had um, uh, managed to do in weeks what we have failed to do in six months in, in terms of setting up a, uh, a testing, tracking, tracing and isolation. Not, not forget the last bit, and isolation policy. They managed to do that in 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 matter of, what, six weeks, I think, six, seven weeks. And as a result, they've had a much, much better outcome than us. 
uh, Germany to some extent the same. So it's not just one country or just one culture. And we failed to do that. Now, part of it, I mean, I think the biggest part is just the machinery, so-called machinery of government. I mean, why we keep handing out these contracts to these big companies like Serco and Cytel and so on, who frankly have not delivered. They've been very, very poor. They started out, I mean, the head of one of them said something to the effect, oh, well, we're not going to get this running anything before September. He said this you know, like four months ago. Uh, I mean, that's part of the problem. So there's a systemic problem. Uh, in terms of, I mean, we can put too much faith in the individual running it. I, I happen to think that it perhaps wasn't, uh, the smartest thing to give it to Dido Harding. She's she's perfectly competent businesswoman. But you know, I wouldn't employ I don't know an oil refiner to run a retail chain. But exactly, well, why a... why is Sir Bernard Jenkins wrong in suggesting sort of military commander, a senior person who, who who's literally been trained for years to run a crisis situation involving huge logistics? That is what they are trained to do. Why not put well, someone I mean, like that in charge? The... The, the, the trouble is, that I think the problem is a bit simpler than that. I mean, the, 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 the problem is one of running a set of contracts. I mean, let me give you an example. I asked a question uh, of the department uh, a month, uh, several months ago. I just said, what are the penalty clauses in place uh, if Serco don't deliver? You know, if the companies involved don't deliver. It took them three months to come back. And eventually they said, oh, we don't have any penalty You're clauses. kidding me. No, no. It actually said in English law, it's difficult to have penalty clauses. Well, I never. Rubbish! You have a penalty clause if you have a builder in. Exactly, exactly. There are no bloody penalty clauses. You know, I mean, that's why I say it's not about having a the the, the commander is in a way. Well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. When people talk about Dido Harding, are we not missing the point? Isn't it actually the case that the person who hired Dido Harding, who isn't doing the job properly, and who's allowing contracts to be signed which are not up to scratch, which wouldn't make wouldn't wouldn't pass muster in any uh, private business? isn't it down fundamentally to either Matt Hancock or the or the or Boris Johnson? Are they not fundamentally ultimately to blame? Well, I think the way they've organised um, the government is 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 problematic, and where you put the blame for that, where well, you can pick. But when they started out uh, in government, actually, but almost before, but before this happened, before this crisis hit us, they heavily centralised. Uh, Downing Street. Famously, Mr. Cummings appointed all his own special advisers under all of the um, uh, the, the, the uh, cabinet yeah. ministers and so on, and centralised the, the decision making. Now, when you centralise something, by definition, you take more of the decisions, and those decisions come more rapidly, and they are decisions that you are not expert in, right? Um, and that's what's been going on. I mean, a lot of these decisions have been made by Downstreet, it comes actually, it's got that in common with the Marcus Lashford. Rashford, 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 I beg his pardon. Um, uh, Marcus Rashford, the you know, they are te- they're trying to take too many decisions at the center and as a result, making mistakes. And I think uh, they're, they're both examples of the same thing. There. Okay, what do you... and I'm afraid it comes down to Cummings more than anything else, but uh, but you know, at the end well, of it comes day, down to the person who employs yeah, Cummings, yeah, surely, yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Let, the let's, stop, let's, let's talk about let's talk about yeah. centralized decisions because they're one of the decisions the government has decided not to make is to have a full national law. Lockdown. Don't call it a circuit breaker or a fire breaker. It's just another national lockdown. Wales and Northern Ireland have gone ahead. Wales are in a lot of hot water. Mark Drakeford, the first minister there, over this absurd non-essential shops being forced to close, therefore non-essential items not being sold in supermarkets. What do you make of that decision? And what do you make of the likelihood that we may end up following suit in England? 
Well, you know, I think uh, one, I think one of your listeners at some point said, you know, we've got to follow the science, uh, one of your contributors. And um, the trouble is the science in this is incredibly weak. You know, I mean, as they admitted themselves in a, in a government document on Monday of this week, last week, the, the, a week ago today, they actually admitted that this is very, you know, this, the, the, the evidence for national lockdowns working is very weak. But the, the second problem with the so-called circuit breaker is it's going to be more like a power cut than a circuit breaker because you go in, how the devil are you going to get out? Um, the, the way other countries came out of their lockdowns, who were the ones who were successful, were the ones who had, uh, and we're back to the same problem, effective uh, uh, test, track, trace and isolate policies. Yeah. They're the ones who did it. Look at Germany. Germany, or, you know, and, and when, they, when they, by the way, when the Germans lock down, they can lock down to a single street. Or to a or to a block of flats, or a factory in its dormitory building. You know those that that's the sort of level of control. And of course that lockdown works. Whereas if you lock down three million people, let alone sixty million people, but let's say three million people in Manchester, Great Manchester, um, then there are going to be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people who break the lockdown one way or yeah. another. Yeah. Whereas if it's very small, you can police it. But for it to be very small, you've got to have a Test track and trace. We, we come, and we come back to that issue, don't we? We come back. It's so okay. fundamental. It's All right. So fundamental. Just finally, because I've, I've not got much time and we've got another guest to get <laughs> to, but very briefly, if you would, Brexit, more talks going on, the talks that were ended way over the deadline of uh, October the 15th. Uh, are we going to get a Brexit deal or not? Uh, am I going to sound like a crack record now? Do you remember? The first three years matters less than the last three weeks. Well, not yet at the last three weeks. It will go on and it will go on and we will eventually get a deal. Uh, that's my best guess. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio.
Right, let's turn our attention back to the Marcus Rashford issue. We tackled that with uh, uh, David Davis about whether or not the government should U-turn and provide free school meal vouchers. Uh, 2,000 children's doctors have signed a letter calling the government to provide them. We've got uh, 800,000 signatures plus uh, on the petition uh, set up by the Premier League footballer calling on the, the government to uh, U-turn on this. Well, let's ask the Children's Commissioner for England what she thinks. Anne Longfield joins us now. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning. Uh, lovely to speak to you. Um, should the government U-turn? Should the government provide these free school meal vouchers? Well, they have been providing them uh, over the pandemic, and I don't think anything has changed. In fact, there's more people who need some more help. So, yes, I think they should. And I think, you know, what we've seen around the country is that so many people have gone out, volunteered, ca cafes providing um, some free meals over the next week. And I think that's because they know people are having it tough. Um, they want to help. Um, the, the difficulty, I think, for a lot of us who haven't lived in those circumstances uh, or, or don't live near to next door to people who are struggling to literally put food on the table for their children is understanding why people could be in that situation. Do we have a benefit system that normally or today in particular doesn't provide people with enough money to feed themselves and their kids? We heard all the talks about people going to food banks and the like. Yeah. Is it is it the case? I mean, your job is to make sure that children are safe and fed and things, you know, looking after the policy issues. There. Is it the case that the people on the lowest incomes in this country, whether it's on benefits or minimum wage, do not have enough money, no matter how well they balance their budgets, to feed their children during the school holidays? Well, for those people that have families and they're on universal credit, then um, the universal credit system has had big reductions over the last few years, billions of pounds taken out of it. And actually, it's hit families very hard. So there's things around uh, the universal credit has been static, increased more recently. Um, there's issues around the uh, two-child limits. Um, so, uh, you know, and also some families, you know, you have to wait a period of time. So that's hit a lot of families. And often it's disruptions around the actual benefit system that mean that, that, that families have to go to food, uh, food banks because they're in crisis. They don't know where to go. But we're talking about a third of children here who are in poverty. And as you say, a lot of those are working but when i walk into schools and the first time i saw it i was um literally very shocked and see a food bank um in the foyer of a secondary school and then a washing machine in the next room so kids can actually wash their clothes you've got to think that something isn't right here so okay. but this government is can do something about it but it needs a long-term plan Clearly, something isn't right, and and no, and, and look, no one with any heart at all thinks that children should be whether it's the whether it's parents who can't or don't who won't feed them or look after them properly. We don't want the children to suffer. No one that they, they should not uh, have to suffer under any circumstance. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will be querying the whole a third of children in this country living in poverty. We know that's a relative term. Um, you say a lot of those parents are working again. Uh, again, I oh, I'm sorry, I will never let this one go. If you're if you've got two parents and they're working between them two days a week, I'm sorry, of course you're not paying your bills. You know, okay, there aren't any jobs now, but there certainly have been in the last, until February. And frankly, those people should be working. If you've got two kids and you can't afford to feed them, I would say go and do a bit more work, frankly, is my so, answer to that. But so, of course, most, and most parents do. You know, you've got parents where they take two or three jobs. And, you they know, take two or three small part-time jobs, but doing doing five hours here and five hours there ain't going to fly when it comes to paying well, your bills and you know, feeding your kids. Got, 
you've got parents the reality where they hand the kids over in the car park between jobs and the work night one yeah. at work nights and one at work days. Yeah. So I do believe that there are people that are doing their best. Now, yes. of course, those are the jobs that get stripped out when there's a crisis and emergency. They might be in hospitality. Yeah. They're going to be the jobs that aren't. Uh, sustainable in the long term so uh, and, 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 and and they'll just go so a lot of people have gone on to that we know that 450,000 families have signed up for universal credit over the pandemic but I think when it gets to it the last line of defense is that kids need food and you know I've had kids the brightest kids talk to me about um, their circumstance their parents been at work um, and it's just that anxiety that just creeps into their life. They know their parents are really worried about it. The parents try and hide it from them and miss meals. Yeah. But they know that sometimes there just isn't okay, food but this, but in this, the Yeah, I, I, and I completely understand that. But what I'm saying is, are we saying that the universal credit system does not provide enough money? And even if you're on universal credit, you can't afford to feed your kids. Because I'm guessing there are millions of parents out there who are living on the lowest incomes who do manage to feed their children well, every it, single day. So, yes. what, so, so what's the difference between those so two families? Is, it's not money, all, is it? Well, first, there's, there's two things. One is that it doesn't happen overnight. It builds up. Yeah. So if you get into debt, if you have to buy a warm clothes during the winter, if you get a bill that comes in, if your car that you're keeping going you know, on, on just a bit of petrol now and again breaks down, that tips you over to a place where you haven't got the resources to be able to get through that place. Yeah. You know, if you're bringing your kids up alone, which, you know, a lot of families are, that's only one person that can do everything. Yeah. Look after the kids at home, even if they're drawing on family as well. So there are families who get into that situation. And it's bottom line, it's through no fault of children that they're in that situation. So government is doing, you know, it has been very generous over uh, recent months and it's put so much money into things like the furlough scheme. But when we're looking at the great things that government's invested in, if we can't put kids and their free school meals onto that list that we're proud to do, then I think something's gone very badly but, wrong. But the issue is that the furlough scheme is supposed to be supposed to be a temporary measure. We're talking about the free school meals issue. Is that something that should go on forever? Do well, Does the state take over responsibility for feeding millions of children in this country every summer, Christmas and half-term holiday? I actually don't think anything anyone is asking for that because not that's not... The desired solution, really. The desired but why solution won't it be the solution next time? If we're feeding the kids, we did it for summer. We're doing it for, if we did it for this half term. If we did it for Christmas, I we because we are the taxpayers yeah. who'd be well, paying for other people. The well, then why why not next Easter holiday? Why not next summer holiday? Well, I think it does no. It does need to run until the Easter holidays because the pandemic is here with us. People aren't going to be able to pick up new jobs in that meantime. So we shouldn't be surprised when we get back to this situation come February, March, if the plan isn't in place. But in the long term, there needs to be a realisation that this is the way that families are living, having to live their lives. There needs to be a better um, social security um, net there that is more attuned to families' real life. And also, I think, real help through things like Family Hubs, Children's Centre, Short Start, to help those kids and help those families along the way. It can't just be they're left to themselves and then they're a cliff edge. But we are in the middle of a pandemic, so we do, I think, have to make extraordinary measures and put those in place. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app.
Talk Radio. Well, let's talk to Tobias Elwood now. He's chair of the Defence Select Committee, Tory MP for Bournemouth. Uh, and uh, Tobias, lots of things to talk to you about. Um, uh, but first up, I want to talk to you about Marcus Rashford because you are one of the, the, the few Tory MPs to sort of vote against and to come out with the government against against their policy and say that Marcus Rashford is right and the government should you turn on free school meals. Why do you think so? Well, I think you've jumped ahead. There's an awful lot to discuss. I mean, firstly, let's go back to that vote. It was an undignified display of the House of Commons. Labour posed the question, either you support free school meals or you want our kids to starve. And glossed over, actually, the how different we are today compared with when we first addressed this back in spring uh, and the summer, where absolutely it was right to provide that free school meal provision during holidays. Now we have £9 billion extra funds of support for welfare. Universal credit has increased. Councils themselves, such as my own one, Bournemouth, Christchurch and Poole, have received additional funds to provide support. And I don't think the Conservatives have done well enough to spell that out. But what we're seeing here is this a national debate, a desire actually to say, let's keep it in place. It's tried, it's tested, uh, it's practical, it's been used before. And if it's one of the many vehicles that we provide that welfare support, then I do hope that we can get something in place by Christmas, which allows us all to move forward. Because we've got to recognise that the impact of this pandemic has been huge on everybody, but of course on this generation of children who have not seen their lives interrupted in ways not seen since the war. No, indeed. I, you know, I think everyone thought it was going to be the elderly who were most affected by this. And obviously, in terms of deaths, they are. But in terms of those still living, it's actually it's the youngest people who've been affected the most. Let's turn our attention to what I really wanted to talk to you about. And this is this extraordinary uh, story about the special forces storming the oil tanker off the Isle of Wight. You as the Defence Select Committee Chair, but also, as you mentioned, your, your constituency contains pool, which is where the special boat service rather conveniently are based and do their training just a few miles away uh, from where this tanker uh, was effectively taken over by these seven stowaways. Um, incredible work by the Special uh, Boat Service. After a 10-hour standoff, took just nine minutes uh, in total to uh, to seize control of the boat. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, they don't hang about, do they? <laughs> but if you are going to hijack an oil tanker, don't do it 10 miles off uh, pool. That is the, the key message here. An excellent result. We can be very proud of our Special Forces. Indeed, all the agencies that were involved in that the crew is safe the vessel is secure the hostiles are detained no fatalities no injuries an extremely professional multi-agency response and it proves that we have some of the most professional armed forces and indeed military capabilities uh, and indeed police in, in, in the world. Very, very proud, I think we can be, that it's ended the way it's done. Well, indeed, again, with no loss of life, no injuries, as far as we're aware. Um, now, it doesn't appear to be a, a, a hijack situation in, in the full sense of it. It doesn't appear to be uh, a situation of piracy. These were stowaways who who the, the crew had known about for some time since they uh, were found after they set uh, sail from uh, Lagos in, in Nigeria. It was only when they were approaching shore that uh, these uh, these stowaways uh, started to be threatening and and uh, and apparently threatening violence um how how common is this I mean, we know about piracy in the seas off the coast of somalia but but how common is this situation it's worth mentioning that those events off the coast of somalia because that's introduced new protocols for every civilian crew on board these uh, big oil tankers as to what they should do when these situations occur there's something called the citadel that old word that we found in castles we now have have them on board of ships a very safe room where they can actually go into to protect themselves and then allow the uh the emergency services to then uh, take over control 
as soon as word came through that there were seven stowaways on board and the ship's crew were not fully in command of the vessel, that would have triggered a multi-agency alarm. And then well-rehearsed protocols, classified protocols, would have then tripped into place, covering the full spectrum of potential outcomes, including what you just touched on, you know, from some form of terrorist attack or using this vessel as a crude weapon to cause harm uh, onto the South Coast. Well, that's it, isn't it? This does appear, from what we know now, and no doubt more do, uh, more information will come out as there no doubt is a court case uh, coming, that it's not, these aren't terrorists, these are stowaways. Still illegal migration, still uh, a, a, a crime. However, this does raise concerns that this could be used as a form of terrorism, a way of gaining uh, access to this country, or even if, you know, people started releasing the oil from the tanker into the seas and the like. Um, how big are those concerns for you on the Defence Select Committee? Absolutely. We have to recognise that the character of conflict is changing immensely. It's no longer military might building up either side of an iron curtain. Uh, there are non-state actors, as we see here, that may wish to cause us harm. Uh, whether it be Nigeria, you have Boko Haram there, an extremist organisation in Somalia. There's Al-Shabaab. Daesh has, has not disappeared uh, from the Middle East at all. These countries want to undo the way we operate. They want to challenge the way we live. And if, if weaponizing a crew system such as an oil tanker, it's not too dissimilar from the mindset of those who flew aircraft into uh, the, the, the trade center over in the United States. Uh, we need to be on our guard. We need to recognize and advance our own security mechanisms to make sure that this is in place. And that's exactly what the SBS, uh, other special forces, indeed our police as well, do to make sure that they can contain such situations very, very quickly indeed. We can be immensely proud of what our armed forces did yesterday in closing the situation down, given the different directions it could have gone. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.